Welcome to Monsters Among Us. I am your guide, Derek Hayes. Season's greetings. It's a few days before Christmas, and that means the madness of the shopping season is about to come to an end. Finally time to settle down and take some time off. Now I have a delightfully frightful show for you guys this evening. So what do you say we get started? Our first call of the evening comes to us from Ashley from Parts Unknown. Hi, my name is Ashley. I have recently discovered your podcast again and really diving back down into it once more. I was catching up on episodes that I had missed and one of them really stuck out to me. Uh, I don't remember the episode number or the name, but what really stuck out was a uh, younger caller said he heard uh, Meow Meow help me and your response to him was a permanent toy. Um, now, when I was younger, so this was probably oh, 98, so I've been 18 years old, uh, we moved into this house. We got it really cheap. The family that owned it prior, it was abandoned for a few years. Uh, it was kind of used as like a party house. It was really beat up, but it was a gorgeous price, really large, and a family that needed five bedrooms. It was perfect for us, and we moved in, and a lot of weird things had happened there. Um, now, I'm calling on behalf of one event. It was right after Christmas, so my brother's three years younger than I am, and he has all these toys spewed about in his room, and he was always afraid to sleep alone, so I'd always sleep with him. And one morning, right after Christmas, we were hearing this kind of, like, chuckling noise. Uh, it was really faint. I mean, it could have been the neighbor's kids, but it was enough to stir us and wake us up. And he goes into the kitchen, and he had a little obsession about... Uh, marbles, and so we had received a um, electric car that had a little trunk in it. He had those marbles in there, and I was hearing this. Um, you know, if you have an electric car, uh, you'll push it up and or forward and backwards, and it'll make that noise, a noise. And it's going forward and backwards. All the marbles are swishing back and forth, and it's it's quite audible, quite loud. Now it's just me in the room at that point. My brother had left, and. I have experienced a lot of strange things in that house, and I, I talked to my parents about it, and they kind of said, you know, you're just trying to get attention, um, you're, you're over-imagination, you're probably sleep-deprived, and so they never really gave it much thought. And being um, a person who had so many experiences in the house, I just came to accept that it was second nature. And so I was just, like, talking to whatever was in the room, saying, you know, please don't bother my brother. He's really young. This would really upset him. Um, I understand if you want to play with the toys, that's fine, but please don't bother my brother anymore. And later that day, my brother was outside playing with the neighbors, and my mom and I were folding laundry, and my brother's room goes straight into the living room. So my mother and I are folding laundry, and this toy car that has all the marbles is going out of the bedroom and to the living room. And I thought this was really weird because we hadn't put batteries in any of the toys yet. And so I was wondering, you know, where would he have gotten batteries from? And I go over and I pick up the remote control truck and I know there's no batteries in there. And I remember what had happened earlier that morning and I just had this, this, this feeling in my stomach. I felt so uneasy. The hair on the back of my neck was standing up. And uh, I told my mom what had happened and again, she just kind of blew it off. And she's 
think it's probably because of the twisting on the remotes, and it's just transported on its own. We found the remote, and there was no batteries in the time. So when you were talking earlier about a toy, it really reminded me of that. I had completely forgotten. I mean, I've had so many crazy stories about that house. I could call back with multiple more um, instances, but it just really stood out to me. I don't know why. It's it's only had a flashback of that. But I really, really am enjoying your show again. I forgot how much I really enjoyed it. It's nice to have a place where people can call in and kind of share these stories. And it's nice because you get a chance to remember them and kind of look back on them as, you know, uh, an adult and realizing, you know, maybe... Maybe I wasn't just being childish. Maybe some of these things have actually happened. So, um, uh, hopefully you can use the story. If not, then I appreciate the opportunity. Have a good day. Thanks, Ashley. The mention of the marble rolling reminded me of something Sarah and I experienced on the Queen Mary. The trip in Hull wasn't overly eventful, although we did have two odd occurrences. While Sarah and I were researching dinner options in the living room area of the room, her curling iron, which was resting atop the sink basin in the bathroom, fell off with no one in the room. When I placed it back on the sink, it was a bit slippery, so I'm assuming that the finish on the sink caused it to slide off. But we both awoke the next morning to the sound of a glass marble landing on a hardwood floor and then rolling for several seconds. Here's the strange part. The entire room is carpeted. The walls were incredibly thin, so I kind of just chalked it up to, you know, noisy neighbors. But I'm wondering who's rolling in marble at 6.30 in the morning. Now, as coincidence would have it, a listener named John called in a few weeks ago about uh, his explanation for why toys could mysteriously talk. So I'm going to kick it over to John in hopes that he can explain Ashley's strange predicament. How are you doing there, Derek? Hey, this is John from Minnesota again. I'm that 67-year-old retired physician. I talked to you about that UFO sighting that one of my attendings had. I had no idea I'd be calling you back again, but uh, that uh, caller, young fellow from um, Canada that recently called uh, about a couple of things. I really am forced to, to talk to you about these things because I know about them a little bit. First of all, uh, the, this is the this is a fellow who said that uh, an old uh, Simpsons toy uh, said something, and then uh, the uh, wood stove door popped open or something. First of all, regarding the old Simpsons toy, my son uh, lives in San Francisco and he programs chips for interactive toys. And they have a wall of these uh, toys in their one of their offices. And uh, when they get older, battery uh, wears out. And just before it totally goes out, uh, the toy might suddenly start doing something, talking or moving. It's almost like when a human dies uh, at the very end sometimes, they'll get a burst of energy, uh, strangely. But uh, so that's what that was probably. I said I'm 67 and when I was a kid, um, uh, we uh, used a wood stove for heat in our house. You know? uh, this is up in Minnesota, not far from Canada. And uh, if there is a draft down the chimney uh, in just the right angle, it will really cause a lot of force. And those old stove handles, I know just how they work. There's a little latch that can pop and they can pop open. And probably uh, some uh, sparks were sent out onto the floor and set that uh, backpack on fire that he was talking about. So I think that's uh, what happened there in that story. And I just wanted to tell you, uh, tell you about it. Okay. Uh, Keep up the good work. Bye. Thank you for that insight, John. And I kind of found it funny that uh, you correlated the end of a human's life to the end of a toy's, I guess, battery life. Kind of poetic, I guess. Either way, I appreciate Ashley taking the time to share her call. And I also appreciate John taking the time to send in his explanation. Now this next call has me pretty excited. The following is one of only a handful of submitted uh, sea or lake monster stories. And this one certainly doesn't disappoint. 
Hello. My story takes place in Lake Okanogan, British Columbia, Canada in 1992. My wife and I were driving to the airport in Kelowna, coming from the city of Penticton, after holidaying there for 10 days. Now, I had been coming to this area for many years and was well aware of the legend of Ogopogo, a lake monster that has been seen there for hundreds of years by settlers and thousands by native Indians. So I always kept an eye on the lake while driving the road that contoured the lake. It was about 10 a.m., sunny, clear as a bell that day, with the lake being glass calm. This lake is very deep, almost 900 feet, so even 60 feet offshore it can drop to 300 feet, and does feel eerie in some spots, especially near Rattlesnake Island, the purported home of Augie. Augie being the cute touristy name for a very real and very large prehistoric animal or animals, as there have been different sightings of varying serpentine creatures. Even the native Indian tribes said there were four different types of creature. One serpentine snake-like, another plesiosaur type with flippers and long neck. I was driving our rented car heading to the airport when I spotted what looked like an overturned boat about 60 feet offshore in a deep part of the lake. Uh, before where it bends and is close to Rattlesnake Island. I said to my wife, what's that? She had a good view from the passenger seat of our car. I said I would find a place to pull over. The spot I stopped was a bluff about 150 feet above the lake. We jumped out of the car, and looking down, we had a unique view of the creature, as most sightings are from lake level. The portion visible was about 25 feet long, four feet across back, and three feet above water. Overall length I would estimate at 45 to 50 feet long. It was dark green or blackish, very shiny, smooth, glistening skin that sparkles with the water coming off it. It looked like a submarine going through the water, like a gray whale that breached and arched but didn't submerge. Very smooth motion going through water, creating a wake off front. Looking down from the bluff vantage point, I could even see its shoulder blades moving as it was possibly moving its neck, feeding on kokani and trout. I remembered I had a video camera in my suitcase in the trunk, so I reluctantly, not wanting to miss this amazing sight, ran to get it. My wife kept watching it. She incredulously said, It's a whale. I reminded her this was a lake, but she was right. It was as big as a juvenile whale or full-grown killer whale and had similar skin. By the time I got back to the bluff edge, a motorboat coming from the north spooked it. My wife described the last bit of the sighting like this. She said it splashed twice and rolled right toward the deeper part of the lake and exposed a yellowish underbelly with a three to four foot long left flipper which was diamond-shaped. The action, she said, was so graceful it just slid smoothly to the right. I could see waves and a disturbance where it had been, but it was gone. Waves also hit the shore from it. It didn't raise its head, but there was evidence through the motion of its shoulder blades that it had a long neck. I'm a scuba diver. I've seen many gray whales off of Maui, Hawaii, and the Baja in Mexico, as well as killer whales off Vancouver Island. I estimate what we saw was about 12,000 pounds with the size of a full-grown killer whale. I have not, and will not, swim in that lake again. I can only imagine the toothy dino head that went with that body. Had I been faster with my cam, I would have had the best footage yet. Oh well. Oh, by the way, people always say, oh, it must have been a big sturgeon. Really? Sturgeon are at biggest 1,200 pounds and don't have three-foot flippers. Plus, one has never been caught in that lake. Thank you for your time. Thank you, caller, for sharing that story. Now anyone that's ever visited Lake Okanagan can tell you that it gets deep fast. The lake registers at over 700 feet deep at its deepest point, and on average around 250 feet. And the lake encompasses... 136 square miles of surface area, resulting in a huge body of water for a strange creature or even population of strange creatures to hide in. Now, like I said before, I love these monster stories. 
So this is definitely something we're going to circle back on in a later episode. So thank you again, caller, for taking the time to share this information. Our next call is a bit of a loaded one. It seems like everything that can happen has happened to this poor woman, but I'll let her tell you about that. The following is Alexis's call from Texas. Hey, how are you? I just found your show, and I am binge listening, and I had to call in. I actually contemplated whether I wanted to or not, so here I am. When I was 10, um, first of all, I was born and raised down in Texas, Corpus Christi. Um, at 10 years old, I was very, very ill. I had hepatitis A, and I was hospitalized. Um, I was in for a month, and I came close to dying. That's how sick I was. I mean, I was a pincushion. They would take blood constantly, and the other arm had tubes, IVs. Um, one night, I turned over on my hospital bed, on my back. I opened my eyes, and there were two reptile creatures standing at the foot of my bed. I yanked those tubes out of my arm, and I jumped over the uh, railing, crawled underneath the bed, made myself look as small as I could. The nurses came running because the IVs are on a, have an alarm, and they had to coax me out. Well, they're like, oh, honey, it was just a dream. Well, you know what? I just let it go because I knew they weren't going to listen to me. Fast forward five years later, a friend of mine was having a sleepover. A bunch of girls going to hang out, you know, no, you girl stuff, gossip, blah, blah, blah. Well, there were, like, girls laying all over, and I, she put me in her brother's room. One thing I'm going to tell you right out, her family was weird, kind of. You know, um, her sister was a witch, her brother was a Satanist. Well, he was gone for the weekend, and... Um, I got to sleep in his room. It was the usual upside-down crosses, you know, so forth. Um, the south and west walls were windows from one end, from the corner to corner, from the corner to the door, all windows. And I was laying down, and I could hear the clicking of an owl, of an owl doing his wings, and I fell asleep to it. I began to dream. I was sitting in a on a bus in the very last seat, and there was um, a guy hugging me. He had white t-shirt, blue jeans. He wasn't squeezing me tight, but he was just holding me like um, securely. I turned over, over on my right side. Oh, my eyes. There was somebody laying next to me. I flew off that bed. I didn't even touch the mattress till I hit the floor. I woke up the whole household. Her mom's like, oh, hon, don't worry about it. It's no big deal. I was like, okay, you know. Um, so this thing stayed with me 30 years, 30 years. I'm fixing to blow your mind. Um, when I grew up, my ex-husband and I did construction, and I raised Rottweilers. The spirit would mess with the dogs. One day I walked out, I heard my female, she was um, crying. I turned the corner, both dogs were attached at the neck. There were two trees and they were about six foot apart. Maybe, maybe not quite. They, the chain, their chains were hooked together and they were in an X. Both dogs hooked right at the neck. I was like, oh my gosh, so I had to deal with that, put him back out, and um, this, it continued. You know, other people could hear him. There was one time I had a friend come over stairs at night, boys were going out. We started watching movies. Okay, I went on to bed afterwards, watched our shows and stuff. The next day, someone was pounding on my door, and I heard it way in the back bedroom. My girlfriend was laying on the couch. I heard the front door open and shut. I crawled out of bed. I went in and I said, who was it? She's like, there was no one there. 
I just shook my head. I said, spook. I walked by, looked out the windows. The dogs were on their run. They had to run with, I mean, quite, had, had to do chains, too. They were big dogs. I grabbed myself a cup of coffee, looked back over at them. They're, everything's all good. They're out there, no problem. I go in, we were having coffee. Next thing I know it, I hear my female whimpering. I was like, what the heck? I walked up, or walked up, looked out the window. She was gone, chain and all. My male was still on his run. I went out the door. I heard her crying behind the house. I walked back there. Her chain was hooked to a car trailer. I undid it, took her back, put her back on her run. Yeah, this is what... I mean, he never did nothing bad. He was, it was not a mean spirit, so to speak. There was only one time that um, he got upset. And that's my ex-husband was, was griping about him. It was Christmas time. He was calling him names. All of a sudden, the Christmas tree shook. All my ornaments hit the floor. There were times that I would be home alone. And it sounded like there was a full-blown party going on out in the front room. I'd get up and walk out. Everything would just stop quiet. Um, there were times that you could hear a conversation going on, but not loud enough to make out what was being said. One night, I came home from work. I was really sick. I had the flu. I laid down, all bundled up, woke up about 6 p.m., I get up, I look down at my shirt, and I was like, what the hell? I mean, the whole front of my shirt was blood. My daughter's like, oh, my God, Mom, what's wrong? I said, why do I have blood on my shirt? You know, I had no wounds, no cuts, nothing. Spooked, yep. She would call, answer me, she would pick up. We could hear it pick up. He'd leave a message. I'd go out to check. Last call was the call from the day before. No message on the answer machine. It was, uh, you know, I mean, I could write a book and just make a killing. Yeah, I, that's what we went through. You know, it wasn't no big deal, really. But he finally went away. I got saved. And um, he laughed. And I never had that problem again. Yeah, it's uh, everything I'm telling you is, Absolute fact. Absolutely. Thousand percent true. So, um, yeah, I just thought I'd give a call and let you know. But I figured the dog thing would probably trip you out. Because <laughs> it did me. And every time I just go out there and rescue them and put them back where they were because it was like every other couple, three, four day occurrence. So, uh, anyways, my name is Alexis. And I thank you. I love your show. You have yourself a great weekend. See ya. Thank you, Alexis. Now, there's a whole lot to unravel here, but I'm going to focus on one thing, the mention of being covered in blood with no source. Now, I know that that's been touched on on a couple different episodes in the past. I think both gentlemen described the blood being on their hands and dried. Now, it's a little strange that this would be on Alexis's shirt, but there's no way to tell whether or not it's the same phenomenon. Now, strangely enough, yet another listener submitted a plausible explanation for the strange dried blood stains. And for more on that, I'm going to kick it over to Beth in the state of Michigan. Hi, Derek. My name is Beth, and I'm a chemist from the beautiful state of Michigan. And the reason why I give my profession is because I'd like to offer a chemical explanation of Josh's story from Season 6, Episode 9. Now, in Josh's story, he talks about waking up with blood on his hands. Um, the main ingredient in blood is hemoglobin, which contains large amounts of iron. This iron is what gives its blood its red color and metallic smell slash taste. Now, Josh said they were staying at a campground in the San Juan Mountains. He didn't mention which campground or how old it was, but as campgrounds aren't renowned for their modernity, it may have been quite old. Many old buildings have plumbing that uses iron pipes, which, if not cared for properly, can contain iron ions. 
If these pipes get a lot of use, the concentration of these iron ions probably won't have any immediate consequences because as they build up, they'll be flushed out with, you know, people using them and whatnot. However, Josh specifically said that he remembers getting up in the middle of the night a couple times to use the restroom. This would likely be a time when the plumbing wasn't getting very much use, which means that there would be a high concentration of iron ions in the water. When exposed to the air, iron ions actually degrade into iron oxide, which is also known as rust, which, if you think about it, has a lot of similarity in color and smell to dried blood. Now, if this had happened a little while ago, I'd say, let's go and test that theory. Let's take a sample of water and have it tested for iron. But since it happened in the 80s, if there were iron pipes, they've probably been replaced by now. But anyway, that's my hypothesis. Um, so I can't imagine that you hear from many scientists who listen to the show, but my philosophy is that just because I can't study something doesn't necessarily mean that it doesn't exist. Um, in addition, there's also been things in the past that we thought were supernatural occurrences, but as our science has advanced, we've actually found rational explanations for them. For example, a solar eclipse is something which once terrified us, but we now understand scientifically. That said, as a scientist, I have to take everything with a healthy amount of salt, which is why I appreciate that you try to offer some alternative explanations with each story. Anyway, if your listeners are looking to diversify their podcast repertoire, I would definitely recommend a little podcast called The Maple Geeks, which happens to be my podcast, which I record with my husband. And I'll send you a link to our Facebook page, Derek, if you think your listeners would enjoy it. We have about 10 episodes up right now, looking to grow more as soon as my work stops requiring so much overtime from me. Thanks for what you do. I look forward to your episode each week, and I hope you can use this. Bye. Thank you, Beth, for that explanation. It certainly seems to make a bit of sense, but like the solar eclipse, a lot has to happen for it to actually work out that way. But I will say it's as good of an explanation as any. And I'll also include a link to Beth's podcast in the show notes if anyone wants to check that out. So thank you again to Alexis and Beth. Now before we move on to our next call of the evening, I'd like to tell you a bit about tonight's sponsor. If you're listening to this podcast, I'd guess that you're probably a horror fan. Or at the very least, have an interest in the genre. Well, what if I told you you could have access to hundreds of horror titles, all for the low price of $5 a month? Of course, I'm talking about the Shudder streaming app. Shudder's streaming service offers amazing thrillers, horrors, and suspense, all from your Roku, Apple TV, Xbox, or even your phone or tablet. Shudder has the largest and fastest-growing human-curated selection of thrilling and dangerous entertainment on the interwebs, and that number continues to climb. Think of it as the Netflix of horror. Now, I know what you're thinking. They probably only have titles I've never heard of. Well, you'd be wrong. Listen to this lineup. Rob Zombie's 31, Cold Hell, and the new Wolf Creek series. But in addition to these blockbusters, you can find some classic horrors including Pet Cemetery, Silver Bullet, I Know What You Did Last Summer, and both of the Creepshow films. Now I'll tell you this. As part of the promotion, I was given a trial of Shudder, and I can't turn it off. These past few weeks, I've been insanely busy. But when I finally quit for the night, I can't wait to put a horror film on. This past week, I watched three or four Stephen King films, and tonight I have my eye on a monster film called Digging Up the Marrow. Apparently, it has a bit of a cryptid backstory. My trial is up soon, and I fully intend on subscribing myself. Gone are the days of flipping through the skimpy horror section of other streaming platforms. Now, as a special offer, Shudder is offering a 30-day free trial. Simply visit Shudder.com, that's S-H-U-D-D-E-R, and enter the coupon code MONSTERS to activate your free trial. Once again, that's Shudder.com, and the coupon code is MONSTERS. And speaking of horror, our next call comes to us from listener Richard in the state of Iowa. Hi, Derek. My name is Richard, and I'm from Sioux City, Iowa. I've been meaning to write this into you for a while. I've heard people report seeing what they believe is some type of were-creature. Well, I've seen a were-deer. Or maybe it was a deer woman. It was the summer of either 2011 or 2012, and I was delivering papers at the time. 
It was a clear, warm night, around 1 or 2 a.m. I received the papers I was delivering and had gone out to the first stops of my route. I parked my car, got out, looked around real quick, and that's when I saw a deer about 300 feet away. Now I like to watch deer when I see them, so I paused for a moment to watch this one. Now when I first saw it, I didn't see anything unusual about it. But that was before it transformed, right in front of my eyes. The transformation is tricky to describe, and it actually... And it happened so quickly that I didn't see much detail about the transformation. I know that as the deer was walking, it picked up its forelegs, then morphed into human arms, while it was still walking with its hind legs. Its face flattened into a human face, while its hind legs morphed into a human legs. Its body thinned from front to back. Of course, its tail disappeared. This all happened at the same time and very fast, and its gait didn't falter. It was pretty much this. One second there was a deer walking, and then the next a human was walking. I couldn't see if it was a man or a woman, but I didn't really care at that moment. I had just seen a physical transformation. Now I have gone back over it to see if there were any possible explanations other than deer morphing into a human, and I haven't been able to come up with anything. I was fully awake, there was a single deer and then a single human, and I don't do drugs. Well, that's my experience. Thanks for your time. Richard. Thank you, Richard, for sharing that weird, weird encounter. Now, Richard touched on it a bit, but this reminded me of an Omaha legend known as the Deer Woman. Now, the Deer Woman is supposedly a banished Native American figure that leads men to their deaths. Now, for a little backstory on this legend, I'm going to kick it over to YouTube user Wasa Barot. Number 3, Deer Woman. The Deer Woman or Deer Lady is a spirit that can shapeshift. There are two conceptions about the Deer Lady. One is that she is a benign spirit that might help women by giving her blessings to become fertile, while another version of the Deer Lady is that it is a benevolent spirit that seduces men and lead them to their deaths. In various folklore, the Deer Lady is often described as a beautiful woman but with deer hooves and beautiful deer-like brown eyes while other times they appear like an old woman or even a deer. Then, some even depict the deer lady as half human on top and white-tailed deer for its lower half of its body. All in all, a woman with deer features. There is a story in Oklahoma where the deer woman would trample people to death under her hooves. It is said that the deer woman is a spirit that was a rape victim who was also killed. So her trampling people to death was her way of revenge. Of course, you can catch a link to that full video in tonight's show notes. Thank you again, Richard, for taking the time to share. Now, before I move on to what's most likely our final call of the evening, the hats are on their way. They should be here today or tomorrow. I'll try to get them in the shop as quickly as possible, but I don't think they're going to make it for Christmas sales. So keep an eye out for those after the holidays. Our very own crypto den mom, Addie Lloyd, is featured on Pine Barrens Institute not a podcast. I'm not sure what they're calling this thing. It's technically not a podcast, but sounds like a podcast. I'm not sure what what Adam up there is calling that, but uh, she was uh, a guest on that show last night. So look for that on our social media pages. And speaking of social media, be sure to follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. And make sure you get yourself involved in our Facebook group as well. And for the last bit of information... I think this is the last show of the year. I planned on doing one in between New Year's and Christmas, but I'll be quite honest with you. I haven't had a day off in over a month. Uh, It's been insane. It's been great. Certainly enjoy making the money, but I need some time off. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to take the week between Christmas and New Year's off, and I'll be back uh, the Thursday after New Year's regularly scheduled. Uh, And that will be the final regular episode of the season. Uh, the following week or maybe 10 days usually takes me longer to put uh, the Hometown Legends episode together. But at any point, whenever it gets put together, that will be released. And I got an influx of calls just last night, strangely enough, of Hometown Legends. So that episode's shaping up to be quite lengthy. So uh, keep your eye out for that. And that brings us to our final call of the evening. This is a call that I've been sitting on for a very long time. 
uh, mostly because I have a lot of opinions about it, and I wasn't, and I wasn't, and I'm still not sure how I want to approach uh, those opinions. So, for now, let's play the story, and uh, we'll talk about it afterward. So, the following is John's story from the state of Oklahoma. All right. Um, hi, my name is John. I heard y'all from uh, Into the Fray. Forgot what episode. Where to start? So I'm a 30 year old professional IT guy. Um, you know, I also have some military service under my belt. Uh, it's I'm very professional, and uh, I'm from uh, the foothills of the Ozarks in Oklahoma. I don't know if you can tell from my, by my accent, but um, hopefully I can get this one in the five minutes. If not, I'm going to call back. But um, I grew up in a very rural place, you know, compared to a lot of people. Um, it's built up now. It's in Washington County, Oklahoma. Um, I uh, this is really hard for me to talk about, but um, uh, this was. 2000, 2001, possibly, I know it was pre-9-11, um, me and my my buddy, we decided to go camping on his property, he owns a lot of property, they used to grow pecans, and they, uh, they got rid of it, they do horses now, but, and cows, and they still did then, but not as much as large scale as they did now, but anyways, I digress, um, we decided to go camping, it's a Friday, you know, we're going to live life. We're going to live like, you know, the cowboys and all the rough men that used to wander around Oklahoma and have fun. You know, we get off school, get on our bus. We're excited. And, uh, you know, it's right after Christmas. It's great. We just got some rifles. And uh, my dad's going to drop off my rifle and tell me to have a good time. Da, 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 once we get there, once we got some work. And, you know, we we're deciding to go camping. He's got a little cool cabin about three miles from his main house. And, you know, he's got access to ATVs, and his dad lets us take the ATVs out. And, uh, you know, we do. We gather up all we want. We go to this little cabin, beautiful little cabin, well maintained, isolated from everything. So, like, set up camp. Set a fire, cook some food, listen to the radio, what little we can get from uh, the major city around there is Tulsa. So, you know, we hear, a, you know, have some pop music playing or what have you, and we just get this weird feeling. And we're being watched. So, it's not quiet, so we think it's a deer. We do hear rustling around. And, you know, there's a little, little critters coming around. You know, interested in what we're cooking, maybe like raccoons and possums, scavengers, and uh, you know, we take no heed to it. So we keep on doing what we're doing, just playing around, going to the forest, shooting our rifles, you know. It's what kids do. We you know, we have twenty two rifles at thirteen and we're having fun. And uh, we start hearing a and it just echoes. So we hear from the back. All right. We get this weird, just weird feeling. I'm sorry if I sound scared because it does scare me to death, actually. And um, in front of us, we hear... And, like they're communicating with each other. and We're freaking out. It's dusk. But we had to take the ATVs that didn't have lights or anything, so we decided to just keep the campfire going and go inside. And we go inside and we keep hearing this, these knocks all over, in front, behind. We carry on, nothing happens. After about an hour, they just stop. You know, we hear the owls, um, the whippoorwills, um, they're great to hear because, you know, they go whippoorwill in the distance and you, you know, take no mind, it becomes ambient sound, and, you know, we load up our rifles and go to sleep. 
I wake up a few hours later, it's dead quiet, cold, just completely dead. Like, no ambient noise, no nothing, just the wind. I smell, I get a big whiff, it smells like, well, it smells like death. It smells, it reminded me of when my cat got hit by a car. I found her a few days later, and I smell this smell. That's awful. And I hear something moving around. And I think it's my friend. So I look over. He's there. He's asleep. I kind of hit him on the shoulder. He moves over. He's awake. He's he's scared. And uh, we're we're terrified. And we hear something moving around. It sounds huge. It doesn't sound like a deer. Deers are graceful. Very graceful. And so we do have a window in this cabin, but it, the floors creak. They creak really loud whenever you walk on them. I don't know what's out here. And I start hearing just rattling outside and this thing is moving around, whatever it is. I, I, I get the nerve to finally move after a few minutes and I slowly crawl to um, the window out trying to make a noise or as much noise as possible and I look out our fire pit's probably 50 feet away from the entrance and, um, of our cabin and I look out and there's this huge bang I guess, I guess if you want you'd call it a, a Sasquatch it's really the weirdest thing and it's just there it's staring at the embers and I hear more movement and uh, sorry movement I see two three more and at this time I'm I'm terrified I'm terrified now at 30 and uh, but I observe these things they're not human they're human like they're tall at this moment I'm fearful for my life and I don't know what to do. There's at this time there's really no means of communication. Cell phones really hadn't taken off. Whoever had cell phones out in the country that really didn't work until you got into the city. And um I pick up my rifle. Mind you, this is a twenty two versus like a deer hunting rifle. This is used for squirrel. This is this is a rifle used for squirrel and various other little varmints and I open up the door and Obviously, it's a giant wooden door with a wrought iron handle. So it goes, <laughs> they see whatever turns and they look at me. And the fear that I felt was, I, 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 I dared not shoot at them. I was not threatening. I, 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 I was, I was pissing my pants. I, I'm not really, but. I would have if I had to. They just observe me. They walk off back into the into the forest like nothing's happened. I, I think maybe they saw me as a young 13, 14 year old boy. And they uh, decided not to do whatever they wanted to do. And a friend comes out and I just remember just staring at the wood line for hours on end with the door closed and hearing wood knocks. I guess that's what you'd call them. And at the daybreak, we walked around and found out some of our beef jerky was eaten that we left out on our backpack. And I don't know if they knew that we were campers or not, but they sure definitely ate all of our beef jerky. And I know how odd that sounds, but our beef jerky was there and I guess they were observing us or they were watching us because I felt it. I felt it the whole time. And we thought it was maybe the small creatures, but like, this wasn't the only, the only case that, the only time or the case in the area that this happened. My, my dad had one too. I have one when I was older. Um, but I can't forget that smell. The smell is just god awful. And um, when I was older, probably around 2010, 
10, seven years ago, 23, yeah, I'm awful at math, that was one of my failures in life, but, um, I came back from overseas, I went with my reserve unit to Afghanistan and gained some combat experience, some firefights, and came home to de-stress, and I decided, hey, I'm going to go camping in almost the same area. I guess it was 20 miles away from the area where me and my friend stayed. And, um, you know, this time I have a pistol, I have a have an AR, you know, I have everything going, I'm ready to camp. I don't tell anybody. I told my dad, I said, hey, I'm going camping, probably going in the woods or the public woods. Um, there's a prairie reserve. It's kind of there. It's public land, but um, I'm walking. It's it's wooded. It's a nice trail. It's not maintained like a lot of trails are, but um, I'm walking. It's probably 4.30 in the afternoon. Sun's nice. I, I decide to sit down and, and grab a Bite to eat. I, I packed some MREs. You know, I'm eating an MRE. I think it was, for some reason, I remember it being a chili mac. And so I, I eat what I, what I eat. Let it warm it up in the little heater. Um, but I get done and I throw it to the ground. You know, because I'm not, <laughs> I'm not that good of a, you know, not good at conserving the environment. But <laughs> so I put it down and. I walk off and it might be like 15 minutes later, I'm still hungry and I'm eating these little things I got in there, they're like energy bars called Huwa bars and I throw it on the ground and walk off and around 6.30 now, I have a, not a single man, but a double man tent, build a fire pit, you know, a little bit off the trail and um, as I'm setting up my tent, I, I, I feel the same feeling I felt ten, yeah, ten years before, and I, uh, I feel it. I feel it. You know, the hairs on your neck stand up. And I, I, I've been watched. I, I've been watched overseas. I, I have that sixth sense going. I, I feel it. So, I'm carrying a, uh, it's, it's a Glock, Glock nine mil, um, and uh, I take it out. I go into combat mode. My adrenaline is running. I stop everything I do, and I have my rifle on my back too. But you know, I'm thinking this engagement's probably not anything that I think it's going to be. So I'm kind of down in a berm a little bit, you know, like in between berms. And so I'm looking up at the berm where I hear this, and I don't see anything. So I slowly creep up at an angle kind of pop my head over the burn because, you know, in a tactical situation, you don't, you don't silhouette yourself against a, a background. And uh, I, I should tell you that I, I'm just a reservist, but I'm an IT guy, my full-time job. And so, you know, I'm, I'm trained for this situation. I get my gun out, burn, I don't see anything. So I'm like, oh, well, maybe it's a deer. Again, like deer just super common and you know half the time you don't even know that they're there until you hear them and my hearing is not that good at this moment because it's got back from a combat situation and uh so i go i i get off the top of the burn and that smell hits me again that smell and, and my eyes start watering i'm freaking out i've never felt fear like this and i just i just got back from getting shot at blown up and then i got not technically blown up in a Humvee, but we had an ID. You know, I, I've I've seen evil. I've I've felt it, and I've been able to do that. But I smell that smell. It uh, it just like hits me. It's it's fear. It's this fear that I've never felt before in a long time, and I'm fearing it even more now. And uh, not a growl, but kind of like a whoop. I hear. And it echoes, it just echoes down to my, my, my bones. And without even thinking about it and the word it is, I, 
I unload about four rounds and I hear whoop whoop again. And I just, I don't know, at, at this point, I'm about five miles from the trail from where I, uh, well, from where I started, I should say. And I pick up my backpack. Well, I run back to my backpack. I pick it up and I immediately start running to the direction that I came from. And uh, I'm running, I'm, I'm running, I'm running with probably 80 pounds of gear on my back, a rifle. I'm running and I hear these whoops and they're, they're up with me. And I hear, I just, I hear something running alongside me. And by the time I hear it, I just, boom, I, I, I put a round in and that direction and I'm running. And I am feel like I'm, it takes forever. And I know that I'm I'm not even close to my house, and I'm out of breath and thirsty, and, and I I keep running, and I hear this thing whooping. It's always a couple hundred feet behind me, not even that, maybe. Whatever this thing is, it's whooping. It's following me, and the smell. Every time I stop and I take a breath, it, I, I I'm oh. It's like right there, the smell catches up with me. One time it was super close, I'm talking maybe 50 feet. And I raise my pistol, my slides back, there's no rounds in the chamber. I totally disregard my AR, but I drop the mag and I have one more magazine for my pistol and I slam it in, slam it and fire it in this direction. I don't know if I hit it, I, I was too, but I hear a whoop and I just start running. I just start running, and I, I, I'm hauling my, I'm hauling my ass to my vehicle, and I still hear this thing. It's whooping, but this one's deeper. I don't know what it was, but I, I, I just, oh, the fear. I, I, I just remember. I, I was in a combat unit and I have this thing chasing me and I don't know, but I finally made it to my car. I finally made it to my car, put my keys in and whatever it is, I still hear it. And uh, it's a little sat 97 Saturn and, and I, I, I hear something hit my car and it's a rock. And anyways, I put the thing in ignition and it has a little start up and I just pop in the gear and I haul ass out of there. I, I'm, I'm hauling ass. I'm going probably 60 or 70 on a dirt road to get to the main road. But I look in my mirror right as I'm driving off and I see two large humanoid creatures in the back. Um, anyways, I, I looked up a lot of sightings in the area after that became really interested and I found out that there's a lot of sightings in the foothills of the Ozark in that area. There's also a lot of weird stuff that goes on. Um, triangle shaped sightings and Bigfoot sightings. It's just a, it's an interesting place. It's a wonderful place. But there's just something out there on those prairies and in those woods because that's just right where prairie and woods meet. But anyways, I've taken up enough of your time. I really appreciate you listening, Derek. Um, I really enjoyed the show so far. I wish you best of luck and thank you for listening. Have a great day. Bye. Thank you, John, for that call. Now, as I said, I have a lot of opinions here. Uh, I'll start off by saying that I'm very, very leery of any Sasquatch encounter that describes basically all the facets of a Bigfoot encounter. Smells, knocks, whoops, um, seeing the actual beast itself tracks like if everything's listed to me that's a red flag if these creatures are real and are as elusive as people claim them to be i highly 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 doubt i don't care who it is it could be grizzly adams himself he's not going to experience every one of those facets it's just not going to happen uh that said i'm certainly not calling john a liar but what i am wondering is if there's maybe a bit of exaggeration going on here because it certainly seems like a lot of action going on for such a small time frame in such a, a strange place. Honestly, Oklahoma is, it's a big Bigfoot area, but it's also a strange place to be a Bigfoot area. 
That said, a couple weeks ago we had Seth Breedlove on, who actually did an expedition at Area X in Oklahoma. And according to him, he had some experiences that he couldn't explain that he thought could only be either human or some sort of uh, bipedal primate. So there's certainly precedent for uh, Sasquatch to be in that area, but for everything to go down the way John said it went down, I'm a little bit leery of this. Um, No offense to John whatsoever, but uh, I have to be skeptical when I go into these calls. I have to have my guard up, because you never know when someone's just trying to pull the wool over your eyes or get an elaborate story on the air. So all that said, I'm very interested in hearing other people's opinions on this story, and by no means am I asking for people to call names or make accusations. I don't, I don't want any of that. But if you have any insight on the call itself, the area, uh, maybe you disagree with what I'm saying, uh, I'd love to get a discussion going. So it would be great to hear input from other listeners on this particular call. Either way, thank you again, John, for taking the time to share. It sounded like portions of this were difficult for you to actually uh, verbalize. So thank you again. And that's going to do it for this episode. Uh, Monsters Among Us is written and produced by me, Derek Hayes. Additional support is provided by Warren Pon Abbott, Tony Bell, and Eddie Lloyd. All audio used in this production is done so under the protection of fair use. And music for this episode was provided by Mayu and Coag Music. Thank you all for listening, and until next week. Hi there. Thanks for sticking around. I have one last story to share with you this evening. This one comes to us anonymously. Hey man, I've been listening to your show for a while, and I have a story to tell. When I was six, my uncle died from a tumor by his spine. I never got to say goodbye. Imagine his personality like Tim from Home Improvement, and we were very close. Well, the night my stepdad told me, it was very stormy. As I fell into an uneasy sleep, I was awoke as though by an electric shock. My clock said it was 2 a.m., right at witching hour. I look around my dark room and I saw nothing. I switched my lamp on and I saw my uncle standing in the middle of the room. He was wearing a blue suit like he wore every Christmas Eve dinner. I jump out of my bed, not frightened at all, and gave him a hug, but my arms went right through him. I looked at his face, and he was just staring at my wall over my bed. He looked kind of blurry, like an out-of-focus picture. My parents start walking down the hall to my room. I guess I was making a lot of noise. As my stepdad opened the door, I hear his voice whisper, See you around, kid. Like he said every time I saw him. Then he disappeared. My stepdad came in and asked me what was going on, and I told him. Now my stepdad is an ex-marine and I've never seen him cry, except for this time. He told me to go back to bed, and I fell asleep very easily. Well, thank you for that story. When I came upon this story, I instantly thought of all the people that aren't going to be with us this holiday season. The grandparents, the parents, the siblings, the friends, the extended family. And I thought this would be a good nod to recognize those that are not with us. So thank you to that submitter. And thank you for sticking around to the end of the show. Happy holidays and have a good night. If you look around, you'll see the world can be pretty smart. Okay, very smart. At Capella University, we think education should be smart too. That's why we're reshaping online learning with our FlexPath format. 
You can set your own deadlines, take classes at your own pace, even leverage your previous experience to move faster. So when it comes to earning your bachelor's degree, you know what kind of choice to make. A smart one. Visit capella.edu to learn more. Capella University. Don't just learn, learn smarter. It all starts with an invitation to experience Lexus. To connect with us. To see that no detail is too small. To be our special guest. It starts as an invitation to drive a Lexus vehicle, but it becomes an exceptional experience. The Invitation to Lexus sales event. Your invitation is always open, but the offers only last through March 31st. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer. Click the banner to discover more.